Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Bread We Break podcast. Welcome here, everyone, to the first ever Bread We Break podcast. This is very exciting. We're Woo-hoo! very excited about this. Mm-hmm. My name is Nick. I'm Lacey. I'm Alex. And we're going to be your hosts. Um, and we are, yeah, as I said, very excited about this podcast. I just wanted to take a minute to explain kind of what this podcast is, why we're doing it, how it impacts you, um, how it impacts our um, Bread We Break community as a whole. And so what we kind of wanted to do with this is to... Um, connect each other between uh, the Bread to Break events. Obviously, it's been some time now since we've had any kind of formal event. Um, but even when things kind of get back to normal, our kind of uh, bi-monthly event or five times a year event schedule, we're, we want to be able to connect with you guys in between the events and so you guys can stay connected to our community. And so we hope that this can be part of that. Um, and we hope that we can kind of bottle up a little bit of what um, bread root break is in those events and kind of injected into your car on the ride home or, mm. or um, at, when you're at the gym, hopefully you can listen to this. And, and so we're going to be doing a couple episodes on a trial basis and um, hopefully you like it, but we want to hear from you. We want to hear about um, what you like about it so we can kind of morph it and shape it into um, what this community really needs. So yeah, very exciting. So we're going to kind of do some uh, introductions at first before we kind of get into the meat of the podcast here. So um, if you don't know who I am, my name is Nick. I am a born and not born actually, just a raised Manitoban. Was, <laughs> Where were you born? Little known fact about me: I was born in Regina. Oh, really? So I am a heathen. As, <laughs> I did as not they know say. that. A heathen. Hey, but um, that's that's a queen city. So yeah, that's, that's true. Good. Yeah. Come on. I am. You didn't know that? Like, I'm I had a queen's no idea. Child. Yeah. What is that? What does that mean? The queen city. Well, the, Regina. That was a queen in in England, oh. and so that city is named after her. Yeah. And I was born there, and I. But I was raised here in Manitoba. Um, so you're prairie royalty. Yeah, I am prairie royalty. <laughs> I'm a prairie boy through and through, thoroughbred Manitoban. Also, what is your role here with Betty Break? My role here at Betty Break is I kind of um, support Alex and oh, I guess assistant director is what mm-hmm. the. Uh, was what the title is, and I look. I take care of the stuff um, behind the scenes, uh, manage the finances, um, um, and any kind of support that goes into the back end of, of putting a Bird Break event on, as well as um, helping cast vision and plan for the future. So very wise yeah. man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love doing it, and so uh, we go to Grant Memorial Church. We've been members for a long time, and we as in as in me and you. Us. Me, <laughs> and I guess. For those of yeah, you listening, enough about me. Nick people will figure out who I am. <laughs> yeah. um, Lacey, why don't you go ahead and introduce who you are? Yeah, my name is Lacey Newstetter. I am Nick's wife. That's why we're saying we go to Grant Memorial. Yeah. <laughs> I am born in United States of America. America. Yes, I was born in California, raised there for most of my life, but uh, also call Nashville home. My dad is from right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. So, Oh my goodness, tell us about your dad because it's really cool. My dad? <laughs> yes, tell us about your dad. <laughs> my dad is a singer and a like a traveling 
evangelist, I guess I would say. He goes to all different sorts of churches and preaches and sings and writes books. His name is Terry Tripp. Look him up. Love him with all my heart. <laughs> Casual plug right there. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, Dad. <laughs> and um, yeah, Nick and I met at YWAM. Yeah. Nashville. Can and confirm. Can confirm. <laughs> and then we moved uh, back here shortly after we got married in 2014, end of 2014. So I've been falling in love with Manitoba ever since. <laughs> yes. Are you going to get your citizenship? Yes. I <gasps> already applied. It is in process. Yay! I know. I'm very excited. Welcome I want a Trudeau. party. I said, yes. I, I have to make an oath to the queen, I think, at this. Oh, really? Right? I think I have to sing the national anthem. Yeah, you do. You Well, no, you don't have to sing it. You can choose to sing it, but really? somebody sings it. And well, you I think you sing, sing it along. as a, you sing as, as a group. I'm gonna no opt way. for my own solo. <laughs> I want some attention. No. Yeah, I'll take the mic. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm like, oh, say. Oh, wait, what? Oh, okay. Wrong have, anthem. have you seen Fergie singing the anthem at the NBA All Star? Who game? hasn't seen that? Oh, I Oh, Bless her. goodness me, poor girl. And I love Fergie, but that was not a good moment. Yeah, that's Ooh. true. So poor Lacey, girl. Lacey's here. She's amazing. And finally, Alex. I have a Alex. lot more to my life than just where yeah. that, but yeah. Well, and Lacey, yeah. what, is your, what is your role? Oh, yeah, your oh. role. That's right. I am also co-assistant director. Um, I will be, once events start getting up and mm -hmm. running again, I will really help and be a team with Alex on planning events and intentions for the night and events. And um, yeah, helping kind of, what's the word? Um, representing the band mm -hmm. and like, yeah, being a glue between the planning team and the band. And Lacey is such an, well, you, Lacey, are such uh, amazing prophetic worshiper. And I think everyone is just always so blessed when, when we get to have you up there leading us. And so I can't wait for events to get back so we can get back into worshiping and yes. people get to be led by you again because it's just such a blessing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Alex. Well, hi, my name is Alexander Grant, and I am the director of Ooh. this awesome ministry called Breadby Break. For those of you who don't know what Breadby Break is, Breadby Break is a young adult ministry where we have about five events a year um, when there isn't COVID. Uh, and at every event, what you will see is worship, communion, and fellowship. Um, as we attempt to journey together on common ground, um, we discover the fullness of the Father and grow in our outpouring devotion. Um, I think the coolest part is that all of us are from different denominations. So yes. I, uh, Grant is a Baptist church, correct? Yep. Yeah. Right? And um, I grew up in uh, United Pentecostal. Um, my dad, grew, uh, that's where he got his preaching license through, and he preached in churches all over Canada. I, w I was born and raised in, well, b born in New Brunswick, raised in Ontario, and made mistakes in Manitoba. So oh, nice. <laughs> and Love then it. ran away to BC for a year, then oh, ran yeah. out of money, and then came back to the prairies. But um, I've been all over about this you. country. You didn't know? Yeah, no. East Coast boy. Whoa. Through and through, I love me some seafood. Yes. Yeah, we would go back like every single summer. I think the coolest thing about my childhood was when we lived in Ontario, we lived in this like on this island called Prince Edward County, just north of Toronto. And back then it was just kind of a cottage town. Now it's really bougie. It's like the Hiltons of because <laughs> like, like rich people from Toronto go up there and buy cabins right. and whatever. Cool. But back when I was there, it was just like a country town. And we lived right across from a homemade zoo. So in Ontario, zoo laws are like non-existent, or at least at least they were back then. I don't know what it's like now. But I would wake up every single morning with lions roaring. What? Yeah, As every single morning. That's if. what woke me up. And you worked at the zoo here. Oh yeah, and I, yeah, I used to it's work at the zoo here. Blood. Yeah, it's in my blood. I love <laughs> the zoos. Okay, great. So part of what we want to do um, during this podcast is 
the beginning portion, we want to kind of um, discuss some sort of current event or something happening in the world. And it's funny that we were actually mentioning the queen several times because this week the prince actually passed away, oh. yes. which has been crazy. Yesterday. But it's Yesterday, interesting yeah. because Yesterday. Lacey, you grew up in the States. But you have thorough knowledge of the royal family. Well, so we were talking about just before is just like it was, yeah, the hot gossip, like yeah. what's happening with Kate and and mm-hmm. Megan and Harry. Well, yeah, Harry. Mm-hmm. And it just it's less integrated into actually what's happening in our country in yeah. the U.S. But it's, I mean, all, of course, all over the tabloids and yeah, it's more just celebrity gossip totally. rather than you know government. <laughs> issues well know. yeah because like, the, like the the royal family really is part of like our culture like i i as as a canadian i think i find it hard to connect with with a culture in canada because like we're not really patriotic like 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 they are in the states right everything right. is about america and how great it is and, and freedom and blah 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 eagles yeah. like like, nah, <laughs> like it's not like, all about eagles not but, all uh, eagles, but like <laughs> like it's just very like patriotic right but in yeah. canada we don't really have that and so I, me personally, I find a lot of, a lot of patriotism in the crown. Mm-hmm. Like that's really? like, that, like, and I don't know, I don't think a lot of people even think about the crown, but for me, I'm like, I love the fact that we are connected with England in that way in, in this, in this commonwealth. And yeah. so it's really sad that, that Prince Philip has passed away. Like, I don't think anyone is shocked right. by it. He lived a long life. He was 99. He was supposed to turn a hundred in June. I know he just missed his birthday. I was, Yeah. Right? It's Poor guy. Oh, man. Yeah, you can yeah. live forever when you're, like, literally a king. <laughs> yeah. well, well, he's not a king. No, I guess, he is, yeah. Yeah, he is a Living consort. like a queen. Yeah. Yeah. Very king. different. He was, no. yeah, like, have, have you guys watched The Crown? Obviously. No. no. <gasps> what? No. Obviously, he says obviously, like, as if we've missed obviously. the cultural movement. <laughs> it's so good. I need to. I need, you need to. Okay, little disclaimer, though. It is not exact history. They take lots of liberties. Right. Um, But... It's just amazing. Like you feel like I just left feeling so much empathy towards the crown family. And maybe people don't, maybe maybe that's not common, <laughs> but like, it's just so hard. Like what, like what the queen has to do and like, like the weight she carries and the right. fact that she's lived for so long and has kept the crown for so long. I think that's honorable of her. So she doesn't have to pass that weight down to anyone else in her family. That's... Cause it's a, like, she hasn't been able to be, to be herself yeah. at all. And like, it's not even her fault. Like it's the fact that like her uncle, he like stepped out out of his role. Like he gave his oh, he gave the crown oh, away yeah. to his brother. Um, so she wouldn't have even been queen. She <gasps> that's yeah, her dad. Yeah. So her dad had to take over the crown. So that's like the the king that like stuttered. Like the, the have you ever heard of the king's speech? Yeah, okay, that's what yes. that would be. That was him. So her dad was that guy. Um, and the only reason why she even took the crown on was because her uncle gave up the crown. So her dad had to take it on. So then she came in next in line for the throne and he died early. So she took over the throne when she was young. So she's had no life outside of the crown. Like, and like they've, it's controlled her life. I'm like, Oh, this poor woman. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. It's uh, isn't she the longest standing, longest reigning monarch, monarch ever, maybe or something? Mm-hmm. I can't remember what I yeah, heard. Yeah, she a couple years ago she beat out Queen Victoria, I think it was. Wow, I had no idea that you knew so much about the royal family. I love I the royal family. I am like, mm. Does Diana make her way into the crown? Like oh the yes, series? Okay. yes. In the last like Princess this Diana. last yeah, this last season she did, and she'll be in the next one as well. And I think the next one is when she's gonna. Okay, she's gonna pass away. Yeah, which is really sad. I just watched her mm. documentary on Netflix. Oh, or yeah, they just do. They tell the story of her life. It is 
fascinating. Yeah. The it 90s was were a vibe, man. The 90s were straight I vibing. just didn't realize she was a phenomenon. And I had mm-hmm. no, like, I, I had heard of her. But she passed she, away when yeah, we were like two. Or yeah, no, we, no, I was three. Yeah, three we old. would have been like just like toddlership area like yes. in our life. But like she, when she died, like it wasn't just like the passing of like, I don't know, like when you, know when you hear someone famous die, you're like, oh, like when Michael Jackson died, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's really sad. But like well, when Kobe Diana, Bryant, oh yeah, that like, Kobe Bryant ruined that me was for some crazy. reason. I don't know why. That was the start of the 2020 madness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. Like, literally. So when Diana died, like she was just like the first royal member of the family to be so real and raw and honest. Yes. I think, or at least to be perceived that way. And so everyone, I think, felt like they had a connection to the royal family. So when she died, it was just, there goes that honest, raw, real connection. It's Mm -hmm. gone. And so I think that's why like billions of people all over the Commonwealth mourned. And even outside the Commonwealth, people who who were obsessed with the the fame, right? Yeah. Like- the way they portray when in the documentary when she passes away is heart-wrenching. Just the waves of people that are outside mourning. Yeah. Like, the, it's just, it goes beyond a celebrity. You oh, know, like yeah. she was so, yeah, she moved a lot of people with just yeah. who she was. Or, Seriously. yeah, exactly, how she was portrayed. Mm-hmm. I mean. And how she portrayed herself. In the, yeah. Like, she, um, she wasn't afraid to do things that were, that were dangerous in order to prove a point and i thought that like like she i think in that documentary they show her like walking out to into this minefield yeah like bring awareness for i can't even remember for what but like they didn't get the shot the first time and so she's like okay i'll do it again yeah she knew what they needed (laughs) she knew what they needed just to like make sure that like the news got out there for the whatever the fundraiser she was trying to work on but yeah yeah we'll we'll see how like it's interesting the prince passing away how long the queen stays alive because sometimes um, when elderly couples like that, one passes away, it's yeah. much harder for the other, right? But I heard that they were living separately the last couple of years since he retired from his role as as consort. Oh. So like he retired from his role, and I think he was, from what I heard on CBC yesterday, he was he's been living <laughs> in the country and like one of their country homes. Oh. And he would only really come in for holidays or special occasions, and she lived in Buckingham Palace. Right. So, um. They were living separately, but apparently, like the queen has, like he the last couple, I think the last couple months, he's been living um, at the palace again, and they've been having lunch together. And apparently, the queen has really been enjoying that. So Aww. obviously, the queen's going to mourn this, and it's going to hurt, and probably take a toll. But this woman is strong. Like, yeah, it'll be crazy what happens like when when she passes away because she is oh. much more of an icon. Like, the, well, she's the queen, right? And there's like, a whole that's protocol for the entire country. Like, like they shut things down yeah. i don't remember everything that happens but like i remember listening to it on i think on on the news they were talking about what will happen when the queen dies and i think it's called london bridge has fallen or something like there's mm-hmm. a there's a term for it and like there's like weeks of mourning there's protocol for the like, government and civilians oh. like it's crazy then there's a the state funeral or the like state funeral or country funeral i can't remember what it's called but it's like a nationwide funeral like wow it's Big. And then there's a whole coronation of of Prince Charles. Of course. Right? Which is then like, like that's months and months of like, it's crazy. So like yeah. mourning, I think, happens until Charles gets like night kinged, kinged, I think, or something. <laughs> like, I could Crowned. be wrong in there. That, like, we'll need a fact check on that one. But either way, like it's, it's going to be like, not just over our new, like all over our news, but like it's going to be like history making. Well, even yeah. in the documentary about Diana, they, um, when it was her funeral, the entire country mm-hmm. was 
a ghost town. Yeah. Like there was no one driving on the streets. Yeah. There was no one working. Mm-hmm. Everyone was either watching the funeral or at the funeral. Yeah. And even around the world, like um, Nick, your mom was telling me that, or no, my mom was telling me that her and my grandpa woke up early to watch it together, Ugh. like 3 a.m. or something. They woke up. It's like, See, that's just, what I mean. Like people were so like Diana was their connection yes. to the royal family. Like, yes. Ugh. Yeah. I'm going to cry. And Crazy. this podcast is the connection to the people of Bread Rubric. <laughs> <laughs> like Tie it back yes. up. Yes. Tie it back Tied in. with a bow. So another portion of this podcast that we want to be doing is um, an interview component or, um, yeah, we want to be hearing from different kind of people. So we decided that we're going to start the first three podcasts. We're going to start by each of us sharing our testimonies. Uh, and so today we're starting with Alex. Alex is hmm. the one that everyone <laughs> knows. So um, yeah, I don't really know like how to begin this. I've I've told my testimony so many times. Right. Um. So yeah, Holy Spirit, just uh, lead my words. Um, yeah, I, for the most part, I like my life has been my like my my young life as a, as a as a young person um, was pretty sheltered um, and pretty. I, I grew up very ignorant of the world. Like I literally thought everyone was a Christian and yeah. everyone went to church. And because I went to a like my my parents are, are they, they're retired pastors, so growing up with pastors as as as, as parents church was everything so right. like like every sunday twice on a sunday because we would go to morning service and evening service yep. and then wednesday night bible study and then friday night youth and like saturday lunches and community events like everything was was church and then we also went to a private christian school that someone in the church anonymously paid so that me and my brother could go to private school that's wow. awesome my parents to this day don't know who was paying for it wow yeah mm-hmm. they were just wanting to bless our family love it so like my whole life I was surrounded by Christians until we moved from Ontario to Manitoba. And even then, again, was going to private school. And did and you move here because your dad got a job or something? Yeah. So my dad like was preaching with um, uh, the United Pentecostal denomination, which is a very um, uh, Holy Spirit filled and led denomination. They like they really believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And they say Holy Ghost. Yes. <laughs> uh, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Holy Spirit. And they... Uh, they um, really long to create worship like worship environments where like that that is the focus like let's mm-hmm. get filled with the holy spirit let's spend time with him and let's worship like so it's i grew up seeing like people doing holy ghost runs around the church yeah. and people being slain in the spirit and speaking in tongues and hours long of altar calls oh hours <laughs> long and people weeping on their faces like like that's like that was just all normal to me mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my dad took over a church here, the biggest UPC church that was in Manitoba at the time, um, which was downtown Winnipeg, um, like two blocks away from like where all the murders were happening at the time. Like one oh. time, like the, like like our church was, um, uh, they stopped the kids from going out because someone had died outside the church. Yeah, wow. like, I think club. No Sunday school today. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like my dad, like there was a little patch of grass, and my dad would have to go to church early and pick up all the needles and condoms and beer bottles because like Whoa. and the oh, stuff he saw like one time he got into his like old Jetta and a prostitute got on the other side and dad like had to jump out of the car. <laughs> oh man. So like just like a very like rough and tough area. 
Um, but like a very awesome community community and lots of outreach that was happening at the time. But would people come in to the services? Or oh yeah. Was it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like wow. people would like people would just come in and we, I think I was so young. I don't really remember what they would do, but I, I, I know they, they, they the, the community definitely like supported those people when they came in, how they supported yeah. them. I don't know. Cause we were, I was so young. Right. Um, and then, um, my dad, um, uh, left the UPC denomination and so the church then had to um, if, that, if they wanted my dad to keep being their preacher then they um, had to also leave the denomination so they did a vote and um, it was unanimous like one person voted to stay UPC everyone else wanted to become non-denominational so mm. the one thing with UPC like I'm not going to bash UPC I there's I have a lot of wonderful memories and I have family that are still connected with them and yes. like I have like a lot of my relationship with God is based from very intentional worship times with them, but um, it's very, there's some very legalistic standards that um, our church just didn't agree with anymore. So like women having to wear dresses and couldn't wear pants and women have to keep their hair long and no piercings, no tattoos. And wow. Um, and I, I think a lot, a lot of UPC has kind of moved a little bit further away from, from that, but they're still very much on that physical righteousness. Yeah. And so our church just was like, well, we don't need that anymore. And so, um, they were okay with leaving right. and the church started to grow immensely. So it went from like, I think around 200 people to like when my dad left, I think there was almost 500 to 600 people that were there after that. Wow. Cool. So like it was, I think that like God led them there, which was great. And, um, and I still go to that church to this day. My dad is no longer the preacher. We have new preachers there. A couple the Richard and Christiana Hale. They okay. are amazing. They're doing so good wow. leading our community right now during COVID. Um, but yeah, so like growing, like I grew up super sheltered, like to the point where like, I didn't even know what swears were. I didn't know what worldly things were. And so I went, I, I told my parents when I was like in grade five, I'm like, I'd really like to go to public school. Like I, I'd like to be able to walk to school. And, and they were like, yeah, I think that would be great. Like, let's do it. And so, um, there was a school, like couple like in in our area called George McDowell and so um they inquired about me going and so then I ended up enrolling and um I I went through a whole culture shock like going into grade six so I came in and like immediately I was pegged by my peers as being super different for many reasons, one because I the way I reacted to the way they talked. I've ne- I ne- at this point in time I had never heard anyone swear because we didn't we didn't even have TV in our house. Oh, wow. like like nothing. Like like we listened to Seeds VN, Gospel Greats. Like yes. we would watch Disney movies. Like yes, like <laughs> which I'm shocked some which Disney have, movies have some, them, right? some dark <laughs> themes. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I knew that Harry Potter was evil. That was it. Like it was like. Wow. And like Pokemon had demons. That's like so anyways, so like the um I go in here and I'm just I'm I'm just ripe for the bullying, right? Because I, I am ripe for the position. I, seriously. So like not only that, like I'm super ignorant, super Christian. I'm also super tiny. I was like a shrimp, like scrawny, tiny, and I, I'm still waiting as a twenty seven year old to hit puberty. So oh, like man. I had not hit puberty. And so I like had the highest pitched voice. And to that time, like I, I didn't have a lot of of guy friends, like I had guy friends, but like most of the people, like most people my age at our church were were girls. So right. like I, and that's who I hung out with. Yep. And then at school, there were only seven of us guys. Like at my elementary school, I went to before George McDowell. So coming in, I was just like 
prime for being tormented. Oh, well, um, even like a new kid at a new school, right? Like oh, that's yeah. always a hard transition. Mm-hmm. No or matter any what age, kid right? into grade six. Like I was even thinking oh, that yeah. too. Like any, middle school savage. Like it's so like mean. those kids are crazy. You're man. so everyone is so awkward and so self consumed. Like you know, yeah. it's like you just feel so insecure about everything, anyways. Exactly. So you always are so outward for like, how can I make other yeah. people feel the same way? Well, <laughs> and back then, like bullying was like not as regulated <laughs> as it's it is more now. normalized yeah, yeah like it was just like yeah you get bullied that's life like yeah, that's just what happens in the school playground. like, like that's it was the way it is. exactly like yeah. now i think our government like they passed like a bullying law a couple years ago so like this generation has no idea what real bullying is well, like yeah social media might it take it just there. has a different face it but. has a much different face than like what it was back then yeah. right and so like I'm not getting like shoved in lockers anymore, but oh, I don't know. Maybe yeah. some kids are, but maybe they are. And if you are, I'm so sorry. That really sucks. <laughs> Tell your parents. Um, if you're listening to this right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, for real. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. But like, I, like, the kid, I think what I, ha- what I learned as a middle schooler is that hurt people hurt people. Mm. Right. And so looking back now and, and understanding the people who bullied me and like hearing, like, like hearing from them now, like they were going through a lot of trauma in their own life. Mm-hmm. They were going through lots of like their parents were getting divorced or they were experiencing their own mental health. Like, and they just took it out on me because mm-hmm. I was there. So I had to like come at peace with that. But what this bullying really did was, um, yeah, the kids started calling me gay. So I was instantly um, pegged as the school's homosexual. And so I remember going home um, the first day that I was called gay and again, super ignorant. I had no idea what gay was, not right. a hot clue. And so I go on the nifty computer and I search up gay and I'm just bombarded with like gay images, right? Like just like, right. like basically gay porn. Whoa. And I'm like, what is this? Like, is this, like, this Your is what they're six. grade six. Wow. And like, this is what they're saying. I am like, uh, like this isn't me. And, um, but like also being really like, this is also like my first exposure to anything sexual right. at the same time. So like it feels interesting and it feels like intriguing and and like it's, there's a lot of feelings going on in this moment, in this little 12 year old. Right. And so my parents found found um, the history on, on the computer, like I think the, the the day of it happening and like they came at me and they're like, what were you looking at? Like really oh. like, Murr. and so like I just started bawling and being like, I don't even know. Like, I'm just yeah. like, you I'm feel trying- ashamed. Like you're a child, yeah. right? Yeah. Like- and like, and like, I'm like, I wasn't going there to look at anything maliciously. Like I was going out, like, the kids are calling me this at school and I'm just trying to figure out what it is. Right. And so like, that was a really traumatic, one of many traumatic experiences. And so mm-hmm. from grade six to grade nine, long story short, like I was called gay mm-hmm. every single day for four years. And, um, it got to such a point where like, I, I like everyone thought I was gay and it was coming to a place where I'm like, okay, well, if everyone thinks I'm gay, well then maybe I am gay. Like maybe they just see something I don't see. Um, and like, I guess I, that's, that's what it is. And like the bullying was so bad. It wasn't just verbal. It was physical. Like I, I remember going into the change room and the guys yelling at me to turn around because they didn't want me looking at them while they were changing. So like just a lot of, again, too, like homophobia, just like, like, and hate towards me. Um, one of those people that made fun of me and believe me, they're gay now, which is kind of actually ironic. Wow. Like they must have been an insecurity. They were, I think so. I think they were like, I think they, and I think that's like common. Like, like I think that if you do research, I think it's very common for people who struggle with homophobia. They are also struggling with their own mm-hmm. sexual identity. But um, 
my identity was set was such a mess now. So like all the all my male peers like were verbally abusive to me, um, didn't want anything to do with me. Mm. Um, the I, I women were not attracted to me, or at least I felt that they weren't. Uh, girls weren't attracted to me. Mm. Um, my only friends that were girls treated me like a girl. They didn't treat me like a guy. So like I just had like it. It started to change my mannerisms and the way I thought and the way like everything. Like I just started to to take on the persona of the people around me, which is what we do. Yes, right. we, like, of course. That's, that's basic psychology, right? That's so, uh, human nature to survive. Yeah, exactly. So like it was, yeah. So basically long story short was really difficult. So um, when I was in high school, I um, started watching just regular porn to like try to validate my own sexuality. Right. Be like, look, I'm watching porn. It means I'm straight ha in your face um and then eventually that turned into um uh, uh an addiction to pornography which then turned into an, an addiction to gay pornography right. um and that uh took me into a deep depression um as i tried to figure out what's going on now that all aside that's kind of like the physical part of my testimony the right. spiritual side of my testimony is that i have always had a deep intimate relationship with God, hmm. like since I was young and hmm. I'm still trying to figure out how and why that is hmm. because I don't understand with the way that everything that's happened in my life, there's just no way that I should have room for God. Like I should have a lot of hate towards him or towards Christians or towards anything just hmm. based off of what I've struggled with in my life. But God has always been the one constant through it all, hmm. through all the bullying, through all the neglect, through all the endless nights of tears as I like struggled with hating myself god was always the one that i cried on and cried mm. to wow. whether it was through worship or time in his word or just like talking with the void or writing in a journal like that was my safe place wow. and like so like and like having like amazing worship moments and and, and amazing experiences with, experiences with god that that just made god real like god proved himself to me yes. that he was real Yes. And that was enough. That's all I needed was, okay, God, if you're real, then I can handle the bullying. I can handle the confused sexuality. I can handle the, the self-hatred. I can handle the depression, the anxiety. Mm -hmm. I can handle all that because I know you're handling me. Right. Mm -hmm. As long as you're with me in it. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I've, the last year, I've really just been like, like taking apart his name, Emmanuel and like like just kind of been obsessing over that. Like Emmanuel, what does that mean? Like God with us and God's just been like, I think he's just reminding me of where he has been with me in my life and I didn't realize it. Or like just reminding mm. me that he was has always been with me um, even when I haven't felt it. Um, and so throughout throughout all the struggle, there's also been such light and, and, and uh um, guidance by God and 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 forgiveness and and freedom at the same time. So it came to a place I think when I was like in university where I said, "Okay, God, like I can't live two lives. Like so, either like allow me to live this lifestyle, mm. or like if 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 that's if that's what you want me to do, allow me to live it. And if you don't want me to do, then provide a way for me to live with it." Be, like with with having to struggle with it because I can't do I can't do this for the rest of my life. Right. So I came to this place of realizing that okay, God, like I can't do this. Like you got you have to you have to help me pick a side. And I realized that I loved God more than I loved myself. 
Mm. and that I needed to trust him with my sexuality. Mm. And I think where a lot of people, like just in general in Christianity, get stuff wrong is they think, okay, I'm a Christian now. Like I accept a Christ and that's it. Right. But that's not where it lands. Like you have to allow God to have access over your entire life. And access doesn't mean that like you have to give up everything and you have to like stop sinning and like there's all this legalistic stuff with it. No, it's about actually like allowing God to have like trusting him with everything. So trusting. So for me, I've had to trust him with my sexuality mm, and go, right. God, like I have to give you this and like trust that you're going to take it someplace. Wow. And I have to die to myself. I have to die to my own desires. I have to, I have to trust you with, with, with my job, with my future, with my wife, with my kids, with, with like what, whatever my life is going to be, I got to trust you with right. it that you're going to provide for it. Yeah, that's Instead good. of taking so it into my own hands and thinking that I know best for myself just because I feel a certain way. I've learned that I can't trust my feelings. It, my, yeah. Like my feeling, like our feelings go in a million different directions all the time. Like the Bible says, like in our heart, like is the like in the deepest part of our hearts, that's, that's where sin is rooted. So if, if I can't trust my feelings, who can I trust? I know I can trust God. I know I can trust him and I know he's going to provide for me. And so I came to this place where I'm like, hey, God, like you're, I'm going to follow you. And like, if God had said to me, yeah, go ahead and live that lifestyle, like, Great, you said that to me. But the thing is, is he's not going to say that to me because his he doesn't contradict his word. Right. Right. And so I I know that I had to lay this down for him and trust him with it. Yeah, I just wanted to say like real quick, you know, I I think it's so important, especially when we talk about like the pursuit of Jesus or what it looks like to follow follow God. I'm holding every component of your life in with an open hand, right? Mm-hmm. And, and for different people that is harder and easier in some some places, right? Like some people that might be your career and you have to say, you know what? Me, I gotta surround I I'm so driven. I want to make money. You know, I'm gonna do all these things. Yeah. But right. I have to lay down my career and the process of closing your hands and saying, you know what, I'm gonna take control of this for myself and I'm gonna yeah. um I'm gonna do this in my own strength. That's a that's a very dangerous place to be, mm-hmm. regardless of what component of, of life that is, right? Yeah. So I just want yeah. to echo what you said there because mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's a really, um, like a wise thing that we can we can hone in on and always be practicing as Christians. Right? Yeah, I was thinking the same too as you were saying that is, it's so different for every person. Like mm-hmm. what the what that thing is, I was like, oh, for me, it's definitely just the fear of uncertainty in life, yeah. and that I think is my thing that yeah. I'm gonna, well unless I get some major breakthrough (laughs) that I kind of unwork like, you know, Mm -hmm. in different seasons, it's feels heavier than others, but that that is like, so it's like the cross to carry almost. Yeah, totally. Like, I think the biggest thing is like, we all have things that we have to trust God with. And like, as soon, as soon as we we accepted him, we not only accepted him, we said, you have full control now. Right. And so I think Christians that struggle the most with with sin or with life is those who don't give up that control, mm-hmm. right? Like, and we're constantly, God's gonna, he's, okay, he's constantly refining us into righteousness. Um, and so that means that we're constantly going to see areas in our life where, that we need to give up more yeah. to him or we need to surrender more to him. And it's it's like this kind of a a, a constant archaeological dig site 
we're constantly unearthing deeper understanding of him. Mm-hmm. We're constantly um, unearthing new new ancient buildings and and new new things when we allow him to be the archaeologist archaeologist in our life, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like that process can only happen if you're willing, and no one can force you into that process. Like no one forced me into this process of refining my sexuality right and and allowing it to go to god and i and i personally would never force anyone to do that with their sexuality either like like it's it's a very personal thing and and like it's only going to be as raw and powerful and significant if holy spirit leads you there which is what he did with me Mm -hmm. he ushered me into this place of ultimate surrender and trust does it mean that i still don't struggle (laughs) No, I still struggle. Temptation is still there. My flesh is still pro- is still prone to the things that that it has always been prone to, and that I'm gonna have to live with the rest of my life because of mistakes I've made or the trauma that I've experienced. Like when we get scars on our body, those scars stay. Right. Like they're there, and they're, it's a reminder of what was. Right. But it doesn't mean that we make our scars bigger. Mm. Right. Um. Or and also too, it comes to this place of not hating where you've come from. I don't like, I think for a long time I, I hated where I, like my story. I hated what happened to me and I hated myself and I had to come to a place where God, no, actually I accept me. I accept everything about me because you have accepted everything about me and you love me the way I am. Mm-hmm. You love the fact that I have this story, even though some people might not love this story and that's okay. They don't need to love this story because I love it now and God loves it. And there's always a fear of telling people this and them looking at me differently on both sides, left and right on, on this issue. Um, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That is totally okay. Here's what I know. I know that God is obsessed with me. Mm-hmm. I know that too. I know he's obsessed with me. Mm-hmm. I know my daughter is obsessed with me. I know my wife is obsessed with me. I know that I have com- a community that God has placed around me that, mm-hmm. that, that knows my story who sees me for who I am, who longs to walk with me in righteousness as I long to walk with, with them and you guys in righteousness. And, mm-hmm. and that is enough. Mm-hmm. That is enough. He is enough. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my testimony, and that's like, not like my full testimony. That's not like everything that's ever happened to me. That's like a very small portion. This is really good, but um, I just want to kind of try and fit what, you like you're saying here spiritually this wrestling mm-hmm. into into like the practical context. Yeah. So you said you mentioned before you had gone to BC and then come back and then like um like you're teaching now directing Brady Break like mm-hmm. where where was that all that like kind of pieced into um like where you were physically in life. Yeah. So I was in my first year of college of university and I like that's when like I like the like my addiction to to porn was really bad and and then my mental health was really bad at the same time mm. and my 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 view of myself was terrible I had a very toxic view of myself and negative self talk because mm. um, a big a big part of the struggle has been comparing myself to other people so because there was a lack of male influence in my life and because I um, also did like had a very low self image and didn't like my body as a whole porn was a way to like validate myself like to make myself feel better about myself if that makes sense so um that took me into a very deep depression so i went into group counseling and out of coming out of that group counseling um i realized that like it's not a lifestyle that i want for myself 
And so that's where I started this this journey of like just surrendering it to God and allowing God to rule over my sexuality and not me. Like I stopped striving to be straight at that point hmm. and started striving to be a child of God. That is Ooh. so good. Yeah. That is so good. Like, and I think that's why a lot of people get stuck on when they're talking about this issue is that they like it's all about the label. Yes. It's all about the label on both sides. It drives me nuts. And I'm like, like even people who who identify with the LGBTQ plus community, I'm like, you're so much more than your label. Right. Like regardless of like if you live in that lifestyle or not, like you're so much more than that. Like I was like, I don't like, I don't know. My, my identity is deeper than that. And so, right. and it's, it's deeper than if I was straight. Right. So I... I had to let go of of striving to feel something I didn't feel and allow God to to bring me to that place of feeling what I needed to feel for his righteousness and not for my pleasure. Right. Putting his desires above what I think I need, which is the biggest thing. Like I, I it's the most un like like self it's the most selfless thing to do is to deny yourself what you feel. So then that started like kind of this like ongoing daily surrender journey with God. And then when I went to Bible college, it was, that was like a year of being a set apart. And I had a very awesome year of just sitting in his presence in BC and doing music and doing life out there and meeting friends. And that was really great. Mm-hmm. But then when I came back, I fell into the most deep depression mm-hmm. I have ever had. And um, I felt stuck. I was like, I, I had, I was working at Starbucks, and I uh, was back in university, but I couldn't do the program I was doing, and I just had no direction, and I felt very stuck. And so, and then I, so I went to such a deep depression. I started losing my hair, literally falling out of my head. What? Yeah, that's why I shave it because, like, oh. it's like it's so thin in the front. So, like, and like, so that fueled my insecurities and my issues with my with my body image. Um, I had gained like 15 pounds. Like I just like really didn't, I was hating myself in any way. And so Mm -hmm. then in my depression, I fell deeper into, uh, like I fell back into my addiction of, with porn. Right. And, um, I struggled with like, well, if I can't follow these, these homosexual feelings, then, um, and, and also I feel so unattractive. What women, what woman's going to be going to want to be with me? Mm -hmm. Like, it was just like terrible i remember i would i would leave starbucks and i would go and i would ball like on my breaks there was like a forest nearby I'd get my coffee and i go and i would just sit there put stephanie gretzinger on oh. and just ball mm-hmm. i would just cry like that you know that song come out of hiding you're safe uh, here with me yes. like that was like i listened to that on repeat and bawled every single time because i just needed to be in that like that was my only like emotional mm-hmm. outlet what is so amazing to me is that when you felt probably at your lowest, mm-hmm. you still went back to the presence. Yeah. And do you think that is from when you were young in church? Like, yeah. Like that kind of atmosphere, if you will, being mm-hmm. created night after night, being oh, yeah. raised in that. Like the fact that you didn't feel so ashamed mm-hmm. to go back to the light, like, is yeah. so incredible. And, you know, I've never even thought about it until right now as you're saying it. And I think that's why, because I developed such an early relationship with God. Like my parents made it so that uh, like we were always in such a safe place where we mm-hmm. could really experience a tangible God. Yeah. And that was my safe space. That was my secret place. I knew I could go to him and be safe, which is kind of like ironic because like 
I think a lot of people who struggle with this, with, with homosexuality, like they, um, it's the opposite because Christianity yes. is so negative towards them, That's right? With my whole thought as mm-hmm. you're speaking is how did this, mm-hmm. how, what is the miracle here that ha- it's, it's amazing. Well, I think that's the difference between having a relationship with God and Christian politics. Yes. Right. Like, like the church has the church done a good job at loving on these people. No, mm. no, they haven't like at all. Mm. Right. Like, so it's no wonder so many people leave leave the church who struggle the way I've struggled. And I'm surprised that I didn't, but I think it's because of having that deep relationship with God, like yeah. having that those deep spiritual worship places and knowing that how I'm feeling, despite what other people say, I can go to his presence and he meets me there. Incredible. So like that was my saving grace. And I did lots of different types of counseling um, through like like within that season, and that's where I wrote. So I, that's where I wrote my second album was in this depression. Mm-hmm. So that album is called The Woods, and all of these songs are about being in this place. Mm-hmm. It was the most like I think the, it was just such a healing thing to be able to write where I from where I was with God to God mm-hmm. was such a healing thing, and so many things came from that from from healing that identity, and and in that season too, I met a lot of of of, of I made a lot of new guy friends, mm-hmm. which was huge because I hadn't had any guy friends up right. until this time. Guys were mysterious to me, like that's like the biggest thing. Guys were mysterious, which is why I think like that fueled again the attraction as well. Mm-hmm. Like I, they were so distant from me that like I I like and I and I've always long I always had I I had always longed for male friendship. And so in that season God also brought like a good group of guys. Actually all the guys that were in my wedding. Like and all these men um had a hand in my healing. Mm. Because they they would hug me. They would hold me. They would make jokes with me. They would allow me to cry in front of them. They would spend time with me. They were intentional with me. They pursued me. And all of a sudden my need for the validation of porn was gone. Wow. Mm. Because God was uh, was using these these friends to validate me in my masculinity finally. Mm. Right. Like I had never to this point been validated in, in a masculine way. And so just to be able to be with a group of guys and then be like, it's okay, dude. Like, right. wow, this is awesome. Yeah. And so the less I fed that part of my body, the less I needed it and the less I felt it and the less I struggled with it. Mm-hmm. And so I came to this place where I'm like, hey, God, like I've experienced a lot of healing. Um, but just to be clear, it didn't mean I was straight. Right. But it also doesn't mean that I'm, uh, didn't mean that I was gay. Like my, I had to come to a place where I was like, hey, God, like it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what I want to feel. Like, I, sh- I don't identify as either, either of them. I identify as a child of God. And so I started praying for my wife, even though I didn't know who she was. I was like, gay God, like, I'm going to just start pray- praying for her that you prepare her for me and you prepare me for her. And that wherever she is, wherever she is, that you're holding her tight and you're getting her ready to carry me with my struggle right. because this is going to be a lifelong thing. Like, like it's just going to be always in the back back brain but she's also going to have stuff to struggle with and i think that's the thing people forget about marriage is that marriage is two people broken people coming together to carry each other's baggage for each mm. other and some days you're carrying like as a partner like lacy you're going to carry nick's stuff and your stuff and he's not going to carry anything and Heck then yeah. and then on other days right it's going to be opposite he's going to carry all the stuff and the kids right like while yeah. while you struggle w- right. with what you're struggling with right and yeah. cuz that's a marriage that's a healthy marriage and it goes beyond love it goes beyond attraction right. it goes beyond sex it goes beyond uh, intimacy it goes beyond frustration right. it comes to this place of utter devotion and so 
um, like I think three years after I started praying for my wife, that's when I bumped into Sydney. And she, uh, where you're going. she is amazing. I love her. Just um, thinking of how you're praying for how he would be preparing her mm-hmm. is just amazing to know some of her story too. And oh, how, yeah. I mean, she can share that maybe another day, oh, but yeah. just to think of how he had his hand on her throughout all of that. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. It's like remarkable. It's a miracle. I don't, I don't even understand. Amazing. Like she has been so gracious for me and, um, yeah, I don't deserve her. I don't deserve our little baby. Like, <laughs> it's just so crazy. Cute. Like, if you were to tell me, like, 10 years ago that, like, I'd be sitting here at 27 in in a marriage with a beautiful, with with my beautiful wife and my beautiful daughter, like, I would have laughed in your face. <laughs> been like, who in the world is going to marry me? Like, what mm. are, like, hmm. like, I literally came to a place eventually where I was like, before I started paying for my wife, of being like, I'm going to be celibate the rest of my life. Like, mm. that's, that's just the reality. Um, But, no. It's amazing. Yeah. But like what's really important, I just want to clarify is that Sydney and Emerson, my daughter, are not my healing. Right. They, yeah, they are important. not my 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 deliverance. I am already a child of God and that's enough. Yes. Like like and, and to put all of that on them, that means whenever I whenever I fall short, the blame's on them. Right. Which is not fair. Yeah. Right? So like the, like and like the fact that I'm married and I have a kid, that's great. But that's not that's not the that's not the climax to this story. They're not the main. Yeah, that's part also of your... not your identity. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, like, yes, I'm a father. Yes, I'm a husband. I'm a teacher. I, I lead this ministry. I'm a, I'm a worship leader. But those are just physical labels that can come and go like that. Right. Yeah. Like at the front of everything, and I think this just and this is a rule for I think for all of us is that we need to soak marinate in the identity of being a child of God because that literally trumps everything. It means anything that comes your way, no matter what your struggle is, no matter what your dream is, no matter what your temptation is, you're a child of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You're a child of God. You are not that label. You are not that mistake. You are not your shame, right? You're a child of God. Get up, brush yourself off, and let's keep going. That's so good, Alex. This has been really, really good. Um, before we wrap this up, is there any like a final thought or like anything, one more thing you want to share before we move on? Yeah, I just I, I just want to clarify that like this this is just me sharing my story. Right. I don't force my view on on sexuality on anyone. Right. Inside Christianity or outside Christianity. Um, the way you deal and manage your sexuality is between you and God. And um, I don't I don't have a right to tell you what to do or to stop you from living your life, live your life. God's given us a freedom of choice. So you have the freedom to live your life the way you see fit. Um, So like, this is your story. That's the, that's really good. This is my story. Like, and I I don't want to like, there's no way around it. Exactly. So like (laughs) for for those of you who are listening, who, who maybe you struggle with your sexuality as well, or your, your gender identity or anything within that realm and, and, but you also just love Christ and you're just looking for some hope. Yeah. I really hope this encourages you that there is hope hmm. and there is, there is other ways to, to live and, and to, to live out your life and, 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 and surrender your sexuality to God. Um, yeah. and if you're listening to this and, and, uh, you're living that lifestyle and, um, I, I hope you're not mad at me. Like <laughs> I don't want you to be mad at me. I'm not, I'm not condemning you for living your lifestyle. Um, I hope this just gives you a new perspective. That's all. Yeah. That's all. I just want to bring out a different perspective and, and, um, 
I, I, I love everyone and I don't want people to ever feel, regardless of what their, their, their lifestyle is or their ethnicity or economic status, like we are all valuable to God, regardless Absolutely. of what we've gone through or what we feel or what we identify as. Like God loves you. God wants you. Yeah. That's no question. There is Absolutely. no question in that. And I am proof of that. Like I'm proof that like no matter what you've done and I've done some, I've done, I've done some things. So <laughs> <laughs> like God is... Story for another day. Yeah, story. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> I don't think too personal. But yeah, anyways. Brought right to well, your just, car. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Let's rip it open. Alex, thank you so much for sharing. That is, yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're an amazing leader. and Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, um, every day is, it brings its own tribulation. So why worry right. about tomorrow? Just worry about today. Yeah. Not even worry about today, just live the day. Yeah. Yep. So this is the part of the show where we ask the same five questions to every person we have on the podcast. So we will ask them to you, Alex. Okay. The first question is, what is your favorite worship song right now? Oh, this is so hard. Um, I'm currently loving loving Hillsong Young and Free's All of My Best Friends acoustic album right now. Mm. It is fire. And the one song I have on repeat is Never Have I Ever. Nice. I just love it. It's so good. Um, but I think, like, I would say that it's a worship song. I think it's kind of a hard <laughs> worship song. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm loving that song right now. That is, like, my go-to. But Maverick yeah. City has obviously been, like, putting out some awesome things as well. I feel well. like they put out a new song every week. Yeah, they are. Like, they're, they're on, crazy, they're on right? fire. Uh, what is the last thing you ate? Well, I'm currently eating it. It's called a coffee from McDonald's. That's not eating. That's <laughs> oh, drinking. Oh, really? Okay. Well, then um, rye bread toasted with peanut butter, crunchy peanut butter, and raspberry jam. Delish. And it expired yesterday, but there was no mold on it, so I ate it still. Yeah. The oh, peanut yeah. butter That's expired okay, right? or the bread? The bread. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But like, it was You're fine. Good. You're like, good. I inspected it all. Nice. A little stale. I found a <laughs> yeah. jar of peanut butter at my mom's house uh, with oh, a no. label that had 2008 on <gasps> it. 2008? Yeah. It, it tasted like Play-Doh. <laughs> it you was taste, disgusting. You tasted it? Oh, you had to. Oh, my gosh. It's like 15-year-old anything. You, If somebody brings you something that's 15 years old and it's edible, you have to try it. Not my so. first uh, If I was like, if I brought you like a piece of like aged beef and I was like, this is 15 years old, oh, you'd God. be like, well, I have to eat it. <laughs> that is gnarly. Okay, the next question is, what is your guilty pleasure? Oh, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter okay. is my guilty pleasure. I am obsessed with Harry Potter. I have three wands. Wands. Wands from Harry Potter World. I have the oh. Elder Wand. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Don't has, let your parents know, man. I, well, okay, yeah. so I think that's why it's my guilty pleasure. Because, I wonder. Like, yeah. Because growing up, it was so it was just demonized, right? Like I remember I brought the the, the second Harry Potter book home, and my parents like my dad threw like put over the fire and was gonna throw it in the fire, and I'm like, it's the libraries, don't do that. <laughs> just let me return it. Yeah. I'm like, so like to this day, they're like they like hate that I like Harry Potter, and I'm like, you know what? It's your own fault. Like if you hadn't just like been so like me, like about Harry Potter I yes. probably wouldn't give it a second thought but now I'm obsessed like I had a Harry Potter themed birthday this year so. that's right yeah. that's so yeah. awesome yeah I love Harry Potter oh love it okay what is your favorite TV show of all time all time of all time yeah The Crown oh my gosh no it can't the be crown. The Crown uh, that's so total good. recency bias um oh it's so hard okay I actually I will still sit down to watch this MASH Mash. It's like ancient. It's so yeah. old, but it, the like the comedy is so 
funny. Like yeah. it stays true to this day. Like wow. it's so timeless. So Love like it. Mash is so fu- yeah. I could watch Mash, Mash. any day, okay. all time. But like that's good. Current shows like. I love The Crown. The Crown is That's what you're currently amazing. watching. Well, I, I finished it. We finished it in like a couple days. Watch like, it again. I really do want to watch it again. Like I, Whenever like a new season comes out on a show that I like, I usually binge watch like the past seasons. Wow. So like I really liked Lockhouse, I think it was called, that came out on Netflix. Haven't so, seen it. Oh my gosh. It's so good. You need to watch it. Um, Stranger Things. Oh. Yes. So yeah. good. I mean, everyone loves like, Stranger Things. They're so good. <laughs> but like, there's time like classic, like all time favorite movie, Sound of Music. Sound of music. music. Oh my gosh. Those are alive. With the sound of music. Not right now because COVID. (laughs) 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 Okay. Last question. Dream vacation. What is your dream vacation? Have you guys ever watched, like, you know, the Mary Kay and Ashley movies? Yes. Um, I think they had a movie called Island in the Sun. Oh, yeah. Right. And they, so like, as a kid, I watched this and they went to like uh, the Atlantis Resort, I think it was. Oh. And ever since I watched that, I'm like, I need to go to the Bahamas and I need to go to the Atlantis Resort. It's like <laughs> thousands of dollars for like one night, but wow. so worth it. So that's my dream vacation. Okay. And finally, just to wrap us up here, is there any, do you have a recommendation for the listeners? Anything you're listening yes. to or maybe a book or something um, to, yes, it doesn't have to be spiritual necessarily, but something that you're really digging that you everyone should go check out. A book that I have been like slowly reading for a long time now is Letter to the Church. Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. Yeah. Oh yeah. It is blowing my mind it's and just book. reading define redefining my attitude towards church. Hmm. Um I think as Christians we can just be really cynical of church because we get into the politics and we get upset about stuff and blah blah blah. But Francis Chan, the way he just like kind of like brings church down to its like core and like framework and just starts to redefine what church could look like and like our really our heart posture towards the our our church like it is just fascinating and awe-inspiring and every every paragraph i'm like yes oh i didn't think of that oh that's so good mm. if you're looking for a fun read i would definitely say you need to read creativity inc by ed catmall i think that's how you say his name um he is the uh, the CEO of uh, Pixar. Oh, so cool. creative. So it's all about how they became a, a company, like Whoa. and like their creative, like the, their creative way that they do things. And so I've actually pulled a lot of what they do into the way that we run Ready Break. Wow. And like that's why like like we have a lot of like collaboration as a team, right? Yes. And I also uh, pull. I try to pull a lot of it into my the way I teach my, my, my students at school. So mm-hmm. it's just Use awesome. a lot of Pixar material for those uh, grade fivers. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. But <laughs> like, like, he's yeah, the best teacher Bugs, Bugs Life, Monster man, Z. it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Toy like, Story, Monster I, like, it's so Friday cool. Like, afternoon, Pixar. Yeah. What's the coolest part is just the way that they, they respect their coworkers and like how they've, how they work on their projects. And so when you watch a Pixar movie, like it's not just like, they're not just making a movie to make money. They're constantly trying to better themselves as a company mm. and uh, like, and put more value into their, into their employees. Like, it's really amazing. Like cool. I read it and I'm like, cool. okay, I'm going to go work for Pixar. Like I have to, like, yeah. I, lo- I like literally <laughs> looked into like bags. scholarships there and like, you can do internships. And I was this close to applying. Bread oh, break Orlando campus. That. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. This has been great. Um, so fun. Thanks for sharing, Alex. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah thanks for And uh, to you guys who are listening, hopefully you enjoyed it and we've got more episodes on the way and if you could do us a favor and if you like this, share it with people. We want to get the word out that this 
this thing is going. So mm-hmm. we will catch you in the next episode. See ya. Catch you on the flip flop. Thanks for listening to the Bread We Break podcast. We exist to lift high the name of Jesus in worship, remember him constantly in communion, and unite his church in fellowship. As we journey together on common ground, we discover the fullness of the Father and grow in outpouring devotion. Find us at breadwebreak.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Share, like, and subscribe.